Hello, everyone. On this episode, I'm checking in with Jim Oosley and Ben Sawyer, the team that has created many great comics, including, well, they're working on the new Butcher Queen Planet of the Dead. Have a Kickstarter going. They're close to finishing it up. So check that out. The music today was uh, recommended by Jim. That's what gets him going in the morning. Like listening to that heavy techno. Good stuff, man. I enjoyed it. Always love learning about new bands. Check out uh, on uh, Facebook. I have a KC Song of the Day. You can hashtag that. Just trying to introduce everyone to new music. Thank you to uh, my buddy, Dr. Mark Holland. If you are in the St. Louis area and you're needing any kind of chiropractic services. Uh, We've all been sitting, we've been in the house, probably haven't been exercising that much, uh, haven't been stretching. You know, he can help you out with that if you're having problems with your back. Uh, Not a lot of us have been driving, so hopefully there hasn't been many car accidents out there. But uh, yeah, Jim and uh, Ben, great guys, have known Jim for a long time now. Ben, uh, just getting to know, but uh, super talented. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. We connect it via Zoom. I'm still figuring it out. So a few dropouts and everything, but overall, I think you'll get the vibe and enjoy the conversation. Here they are, Mr. Jim Oosley and Ben Sawyer. Well, uh, first to start this uh, podcast here, I just want to uh, say happy birthday to Al Pacino, who turned 80 years old. Al, you never know. He may be listening and say, this is this podcasting (laughs) magic with uh, Sawyer and Ooze. I got to do that (laughs) podcast. He's got to jump on the podcast. Maybe I'll get him one day, you know, but. uh, That would be amazing, man. 80, I got to step up, man, because I don't know. Hopefully he'll be around to 100. I heard my mom was um, saying she saw that show Hunters and uh, said it was pretty awesome. I did too, yeah. I watched it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the last episode is like, like you know, inception levels of mindfuckery. Whoa! All right, <laughs> very cool. Yeah. So, all right, we we're now explicit. Awesome. I was expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you guys? What's going on? We're good. We're just uh, in the in the middle of this uh, this Kickstarter campaign for Butcher Queen Planet of the Dead. Oh, hey! I just uh, realized I'm on the wrong microphone how about oh, that oh that now we're cooking i like that sound it now automatically set to my uh webcam so now we're now we're good yeah i had to do All that right. the first time i use zoom now now ooze your iphone isn't shit now you sound like crap <laughs> now that ben well, is ben sounds great <laughs> no no you sound good ooze you always sound good thank you baby yeah, yeah. all right so what were, you, what were you saying i interrupted you I didn't have to say anything. I should have just switched it and not interrupted you. So I'm sorry. No, that's all right. We want people at home. If you're doing a Zoom meeting, click the little thing in the corner and make sure when you have a good mic, you're on the good mic. Keep, yeah. Keep the quality of the podcast. That's your webcam that's like three feet away. Yeah. So, Jimmy, you were talking about the new um, Kickstarter. Tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, I, mean, I was talking before Ben uh, very rudely interrupted me. Uh, that's that's our was... dynamic, baby. That's our dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just say that yeah, we're we're right in the middle of this uh, Kickstarter campaign for Butcher Queen Planet of the Dead, and uh, it's going well so far. But as you know, Kickstarters they're they're a lot of work and uh, a lot of commitment. But so far, it's uh, it's going pretty well. Very cool. And you have uh, how much longer do you have? What, what's the end date? What's the deadline on this Kickstarter? Is it the eighth? No, actually, the fourteenth, May fourteenth okay. is the uh, the final day. So, right. yeah, it's, uh, we've got we're right in the middle of it. I think 
uh, right now, and we're at, I think, 63% or 64? Uh, 64, yeah. That's fantastic. 64% funded, so yeah. Nice. Nice. And Hopefully like, we can keep doing that. Yeah, that's the cool thing on those Kickstarters. A lot of times it's uh, at the end, you have a lot of people come swooping in. So I think being in the middle and, and being at that point, 64%, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. With our experience, once you get past a certain uh, percentile, it's pretty much guaranteed, you know, um, not to, I'm not into jinxes or anything like that, but um, this is our, what, our third, our third Kickstarter together. So um, yeah, we're, you know, we should feel, we should feel pretty, we're not going to relax, but we feel okay. You know what I mean? Well, definitely, you know, you got to keep the, keep the foot on the pedal, but uh, yeah. you know, it doesn't That's mean- my problem too, is that like, you know, when you're doing one of these things, it's you, I can never relax like the no, entire yeah. It's like, it's never, <laughs> but luckily, you know, what's nice about this one is that, you know, we were, when we did the first Butcher Queen series, we had to do it relatively quickly. I mean, we, we, uh, we did our pitch and then we had to get right to work on it while doing the campaign at the same time. Uh, with this one, with this new series, we really had a chance to develop the story more, um, you know, make it, uh, you know, as fun and exciting as we possibly could be so that by the time we got to doing this portion of it, you know, this campaign, we really have it laid out pretty well. And so it's been really nice being able to promote something that you, you pretty much know where it's going to land story-wise. And, you know, uh, Ben's doing really, really great work. This is like, I, I really think, I'm not just saying this because he's here. This is the best work that I've, I've ever seen him do. It's really outstanding. Um, so yeah, now we're doing, I don't know what happened. I went through some sort of metamorphosis after the last book. So He's I like a know. butterfly. He's like a butterfly, <laughs> flapping around, saying, look how pretty I am. <laughs> nice. So, and so this is your third, your third collaboration. Uh-huh. And uh, what have you learned about each other's styles uh, collaborating? So from from day one until uh, until now, I think uh, when we started, it, it was more of a here's the script, here's the art, go. And then I send a page out, and Jim's like, looks good. And then eight pages later, whatever, we're done. And uh, and then that's sort of yeah, that, that went all the way through Dead Palace actually. Uh, yeah, I, I just sort of took the page and 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 made something out of it. But for whatever reason, Butcher Queen uh, felt more ours than anything else we've done before. And I, I also think that yeah. um, uh, so many of the stories in the Rough and Tumbles, especially the Mephisto Burlesque, was so much of uh, Jim's baby. You know what I mean? Like this is something he's been working on for a long time, or it's scripts that have been sitting around, or it's something we've. Dip- you know, he's had in, in the coffers or something in the waiting. And then, now we finally have the opportunity to make it, but now this is all fresh, like right now. So, uh, so when something hits my head, I tell them basically right away. I was like, Hey, this would be really neat if we did this. And uh, yeah, about 98% of the time we're like, cool. <laughs> and yeah. the other, the other 1% it's like, nah, I'd, I'd prefer if it went this way. And then there's that 1% time where we actually have words, but we'll leave that off camera. <laughs> Very nice. And then you get, uh, and then somebody's throwing the people's elbow and you've got, uh, that's right. Some sweet chin music as, uh, Mr. Bohannon said, you know, that was a good hashtag for the last episode with him. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's amazing. Yeah. To have that, 
you know, have that collaborative spirit and be able to come up with stories in that regard, come up with some art and develop a story around that is very cool. One thing that I find really cool what you're doing with the Kickstarter is you have it where certain pledgers at a certain pledge level, uh, you're writing these these people into the story with some dialogue. Talk about that. I mean, last time, I don't think that was for the first Butcher Queen. I mean, I had a little cameo. My likeness was in there, which I'm very proud of. But uh, is this a new one for you guys? No, we actually did that, I think, um, in the first Butcher Queen series as well. And essentially what happens is we have, um, we don't actually add characters to the already established we take a character that's in there and we sort of, uh, if somebody wants to be that character, we model them, the aesthetics off of them. We model it off of them specifically. <laughs> okay. we don't it's actually, kind of like, it's kind of like a casting, you know? Yeah. 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 No, but we don't actually uh, like shove a, a new character in there right. or anything like that. Right. Okay. Yeah, that right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you just didn't notice, but they were there. Uh, the, uh, the, if you've read the first series, the police police chief that turns out, to be on the uh, the overseers, the one that took the mask off at the end, and it was the police chief uh-huh. from the beginning. That's that guy was one of our guys. That was one of our okay our paid to be in there. Yeah. So well, I guess in pretty, the first round, a pretty I, predominant character. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess the first yeah. time I didn't see. Now you're throwing on social media like thanks to so and so, we're telling their story. So I think that's what threw me because I, I don't believe I saw that the first first round. Oh yeah, that you know that's just something that I thought would be fun because everybody's kind of you know stuck at home and and uh you know people just want to be they're hungry for content and entertainment and i thought it'd be just kind of fun a fun way to approach the campaign to you know at least people that i know that i know that i'm connected to on facebook yeah uh to uh you know write them their own little individual story that takes place in the world of butcher queen you know what i mean okay gotcha no it it stood out man it caught my attention and and then when i Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Clever. You're a clever one there. Oh, get out of here. Uzi. That's your rap name I made up for you, but uh, I didn't schedule this meeting. So, yeah, I shit the bed on that one. You know, I thought that was going to be a good surprise, but, uh, yeah, didn't plan ahead. I like it. It feels good. It feels right. All right. You You know what? I'm watching you on Zoom, and you're right. You do resemble right now Mark McGrown. Mark McGrown. Mark Marin. Marin. Yeah, Marin, yeah, I'm yeah. doing the Mark Marin mustache here. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going for that look, but hey, man, if he, if that's what he, what you have, that's that's what you have. Now, if I could, if I had his podcast audience, that'd be fantastic. But <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, like one of the top ten podcasts in the world, isn't he? He's like the something godfather like of podcasting. Yeah. He, he started really early. I think he has something like a thousand episodes. Put one out every week for ten years, twelve years. I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, 1,115 episodes. I love the research. Yeah, it's it's just, wow. Yeah, that's he's, insane. He's very cool. You know, started in his garage, had uh, the Barack Obama episode was really cool. Where he very had Secret good. Service on his neighbor's roof with sniper rifles. And <laughs> it's like, yeah. Mark of course, Mary. he's been doing it for so long, too, that inevitably he has interviewed people that has, have died. You know, like uh, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Incredible yeah. episode. And they're all like three hours long, sort of like, uh, Joe Rogan, they just sort yeah. of go, you know? Oh, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrice O'Neill one was also hilarious. That was one of Patrice O'Neill's funniest bits was on the WTF podcast, so, yeah. yeah. I actually really enjoyed the uh, David Lee Roth episode. Oh, yeah. I thought that was amazing. That was like a deep dive into his 
crazy psyche. And he's just a fascinating guy. And mm -hmm. they had a great conversation, man, talking about, you know, Cafe Wah in New York and the East Village and all kinds of stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a there's an interesting story. Uh, David, I can't even say it. David Lee Ross, uncle. See, that's why I'll never be Mark Marin status. But <laughs> it was funny, just like, stories about his uncle working. I, I mean, I guess his uncle knew some other big celebrities, and it was, yeah, there's so many good DLR stories, just abbreviated. Yeah, because he owned the Cafe Y, actually. Okay. Uh, his uncle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool stuff, man. I'll have, to, I'll have to pick up that Marin episode. But back to talking about uh, Sawyer and Ooze. Uh, yeah. So Butcher Queen, that was something that it took you to new levels. So you have you're working with a publishing company. So that was your your first time. So now you guys are national. Is that correct? It was out there um, in stores for people to buy. Uh, we went to San Diego Comic Con as a, actually as guests, you know, at a booth at the Red Five Comics booth, and I uh, got to meet all kinds of people. And um, it's really been an eye-opener for us and it's really been gratifying being able to get your work out there beyond your your surroundings your city you know what i mean yeah. and that's been so nice and so so fun it's great hearing about somebody in like the uk doing a uh uh review on a podcast of your book or yeah hear from people in different places it's it's great it's fun it's it what really it's all is, about yeah it really is next level you know the only other level after this is just to sort of you know I don't know to see, to see where it takes us. Um, but we're really fi uh, happy with red five and, uh, you know, but of course that conversation is going to take us into, uh, we're not really in comic book shops right now because nobody else is either, you know, so, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the future books in the shops, is it going to go back to normal? You know, that's a whole other conversation, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What, what, um, how, how the whole deal with red five come about? Did you seek them out? Did they, did they find out about you? Could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, so it, it, what year was that? 17, the 17 CDs, SDC. It was Dead Palace year. I think. So 16. Yeah. Cause I think I skipped a year. Okay. Something like that. Anyway. So yeah, we took, um, a Dead Palace sampler. I took a Dead Palace sampler to the show. I go to San Diego every year, every other year, something like that for the last six years, something like that, seven years. So I've been six or seven times. Um, and I talk to everybody, you know, IDW, Aspen, and well, the people that will talk to you, Image and DC are like, go away. You know, I don't want to talk to you. Um, Image has like a Dropbox, which I think is just a, it says like Dropbox, but it's over a trash can, I think. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm kidding. This is, uh, that's that's liable. I better not say that. No, they, they actually, a lot of their projects have come from Dropbox stuff, but um, open submissions, things like that. But DC and Marvel, yeah, I don't want to talk to you. But for the people that do want to talk, uh, Red Five was one of them, and it was almost immediate response. He's like, "Oh yeah, no yeah, we're gonna work together," you know, which is like the dream situation. That's always what you want to hear, right? Usually, a uh, dark horse and IDW they always have like something to say, like an editor's gonna show you what you did wrong or give you some tips or some pointers or something. And Red Five's just like, "No, we're we're gonna do something." And uh, it it started off with them wanting a sci-fi uh, horror thing, and we 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 wanted to just sort of retool. The dead palace but that spiraled into something else and i'll let jim take it from there since he sort of had the helm on that but yeah what happened was they they actually wanted to take the dead palace and make a a horror anthology out of that but because of the the nature of the book you know the stories were different lengths and you know different sizes and stuff and so it didn't really work for a 
a four-issue series, and they asked us, what else do you have? And we said, well, we've got Butcher Queen, which there's a, a couple stories in the Death Palace about her. She's a fugitive cop named Sid Kiowa, kind of a, uh, a cyberpunk, uh, future noir vibe. And uh, we really like that character a lot. We like the world. And what do you guys think about working with that? And they said, well, uh, that sounds great. Can you come back with a pitch in a few days? <clears throat> and so, you know, we came up with a, a pitch and a storyline and I pitched it to them a few days later and they liked it. And we, we went to work and it's basically been a, a lot of work and a lot of fun since that time. They're very, very supportive guys. We're really happy to work with them. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a long process, but it felt pretty easy. Once they decided they want to work with us, it was just finding the right thing, you know. So when we pitched it, it wasn't like uh, it, it really wasn't a push pull. They're like, OK, <laughs> and then and then we went off with it. So, yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, when, when Butcher Queen did, you know, pretty well, and they asked, well, what do you guys want to do next? We said, well, we, we'd like to kind of continue doing Butcher Queen, mm -hmm. um, at least for one more series, because there's, we have some great ideas, and uh, they were supportive of that. So that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, guys. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Is there, is there, typically, is there, is, are there runs, like four episode series? Is, is that how, I don't know much about Red Five, except Butcher Queen. I love it. Jim knows a lot about Red 5. I can tell you that a 4SU run is pretty common. Uh, there's the, the standard format, I think, is probably 6 to 10 for like a tr graphic trade or whatever. But there's 4SU runs all over the place. It happens a lot, especially with, you know, limited stuff with a limited audience with, uh, you know, limited overhead yeah. and stuff like that. But novels usually run. They're usually uh, four issue series gathered together or they're longer runs divided up. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, six to 10 yeah. issues and they divide them up. Um, but yeah, we actually, uh, before everything hit, we were supposed to have a uh, a trade paperback collection of the first series come out uh, in June. And who knows, that that might still be scheduled the same. We're not really sure yet. Uh, but, you know, that's that's definitely coming soon, though. So the main focus for us right now creatively is obviously is uh, Butcher Queen, Planet of the Dead, and hopefully getting this Kickstarter uh, kind of bringing that home and then getting to work on the rest of the book or the series rather. So we're, we're busy chaps. Yeah. I, I'm constantly bouncing between uh, thumbnailing every bit of script that Jim is sending to me. Um, he's working on the Kickstarter and script number two, script number one's done. So I'm trying to get through that. I'm actually thumbnailing page 19 actually. Uh, and then, uh, and doing that and promotional materials. Like today we we just put out a new, uh, promo piece for the the cover image for the Kickstarter. So bounce between promotional material and getting the thumbnails done, so that you know once once the Kickstarter is successful, we've done a large chunk of the work already. Yeah, that's a, that's the that's the goal anyway. And can you know what? Honestly, it just keeps us off the streets, and that's good. That's good for yeah. society, and it's honestly it's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I could see you on the streets. I'm not seeing anybody on the streets. I know. You know, a few people taking a walk. Uh, I went down, uh, you know, grocery shopping. That's kind of bizarre in this current current climate. It is. It's you know, really it's, weird. <laughs> I'm tra I tried to stay away because inevitably it's 
I guess I've spent so much time at home that it's not that big of a deal. And I go grocery shopping, I have the mask and then I get in my car and I take the mask off and then I'm driving home and like an idiot, I itch my nose yep. and like, Oh, I mean, I took all these, you know, I tried, I tried hours and then, of precautions, you know, all these away. precautions. I've been at home for five weeks, you know, a few yeah. walks. I call Usley every now and then and other friends. And then yeah. that one yeah. time I itch my nose and then it's all over. <laughs> and then I'll be, I'll be living on the planet of the dead. You'll write about me in that book. You're like, well, he was a good guy, but he itched his nose no. after going to snow. I've only gone that. up there. Uh, girlfriend does a lot of shopping, but I've only gone up there twice in the last, you know, six weeks. And uh, yeah, it, it drives me crazy. It's such a strange sensation. It's so weird. And I'm all it's in very dystopian. Yeah, I mean, as as far as the United States is concerned, right? It it can always get worse, but like, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely the craziest thing I've ever experienced. And I'm just like I said, I'm in my own head, so I'm just driving myself crazy. Like every passing second, like how close am I to each person, and am I not following in their germ wake? And like, <laughs> yeah, am I not touching my face? And I don't know. It's it was so I don't know. I felt like there was snipers in the rafters i've never been so nervous it was so weird <laughs> well so can i say weird. something i they they can't they can't see us on this podcast but i'm looking at you now mm -hmm. and i think you look terrific oh well can i say you. that <laughs> yeah you look very <laughs> thanks. healthy thanks so. i'm trying yeah uh, i'm not sick and uh, this that this new at-home regimen is 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 interesting i'm trying to work out from home uh I'm, it's no secret that i work out a lot before the quarantine and now I'm working out from home. That, that shit is intense. I was curious about that. Are you doing like uh, some Rocky four shit where you're out in the backyard, you're chopping wood, you're dragging carrying trees and the grass. Stuff. Yeah. No, I should be. Uh, I have actually a, a tire, one of those big tires in the backyard, but um, for picking up and flipping and stuff. But no, I've got a, just a very simple calisthenic workout. It only takes like 10 square feet. If that, uh, it's just a lot of like push ups and crunches and, I'm training how to do uh, wall push-ups where your feet are in the air, you know? Um, but it, it that's the most complicated, the one, the rest of it's just like twisting crunches and jumping jacks and squats and, and lunges and all sorts of crazy stuff. But, you know, I've been lifting weights for five years and then I come home and do this floor workout and I've never felt more out of shape in my entire life. I'm sweating to death. I'm wheezing. I'm falling over. So uh, I've learned a lot about myself with this new routine. I was not in shape before. But I think when this is all done, if it ever ends, uh, I'll be a lot more in shape than I was, I think. Yeah. Well, mixing it up is, is always good for the body. And uh, yeah. yeah, those floor workout using body weight workouts, all yep. that. Yeah, it's nice to mix that in. Uh, I've yeah. just been kind of probably the past year. I did that for a while. I worked with a personal trainer and that was what a great experience that was. That really, really drove me. And then, um, then I've just been going to Planet Fitness and doing little things on my own, staying in shape and good until this. And now I'm just, yeah, I, I mean, hopefully I haven't lost it all after a few years being pretty consistent. I hope I can get back to it. But I have to admit, I, I went to Schnooks and I bought, uh, I was like, oh, look at these white castles. I haven't had one of those in a while. <laughs> and I bought all this comfort food. I'm like, oh, what, yeah. a, what a mistake. So if I, Diet. if I can drag it out for two months, that comfort food, then, then I'll be okay. But if I eat it in the next week, I'm done. Yeah, diet's been my biggest hurdle. Uh, I, I can tell you that you don't, your muscles don't, uh, atrophy right away. So if you had a pretty intense, like training, even if it was just a couple times a week, you'll be okay for a while. 
but uh, getting back into it after a month or two is going to feel like starting over for sure. It's, it's going to be my big thing. My kryptonite is when I go to Schnucks, I have to walk past the ice cream aisle because <laughs> there's this blue bunny toasted almond fudge ice cream. And I cannot buy one of those big like quarts mm-hmm. without devouring it that night. <laughs> and it be gone in the morning. Oh, just one more bite. Oh, just one yeah. more bite. And oh, before I know it, it's gone. Yeah. You have like a tea, like a like an inch left at the from the bottom. You're like, well, I'm already Not here. Well. Let me just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna save this for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I need to keep yeah. some room in the refrigerator for the boys and, and the wife, <laughs> right. you know. And if she, yeah. she wouldn't be happy if I just had one bite. <laughs> right, so I have to yeah. finish it. It brings out the worst in me, that particular product. So I'm just I'm just avoiding it now <laughs> at all costs. All right. Well, when see... I go back in two or three weeks, I'll look for that and uh yeah. I see a I see a, a a dark living room lit only by the TV and Jim with his feet on the couch and the tub between his feet and he's hunched over it and just <laughs> just the image of him just digging into it only lit by the TV at like three in the morning hair doll down in his face stubble Man, you just you just described Saturday night without the hair <laughs> so, sounding like Gollum <laughs> <laughs> it is my precious uh, yeah. I can see myself you know given into it again but hopefully not so once the kickstarter so once that's done on may 14th 2020 for those who are listening to this years from now or you know when it's in the future we're trying to stay evergreen we're trying to stay evergreen (laughs) here so um so what happens after that kickstarter goes you get the funds Uh, how long until we're going to see this book on shelves or how long until the um the patrons uh well that's a different website but the uh, the givers or whatever you call them on yeah. kickstarter backers. backers yeah how long until the backers will see an issue in their hands well right now the uh the book is scheduled the first issue is scheduled to come out in october okay uh, that's when it's hitting and that's when the series begins so it'll be like october november december yeah. january right um that could change but no matter what our backers will be seeing it first it'll they'll be seeing it before it hits stores mm-hmm. and that's kind of one of the benefits of being a backer um we're also if for people that back the kickstarter there's a big um and i, I was never really aware of this until recently but there's a huge um variant cover just you know army of people that love collecting variant covers and we did that for the first series and uh we're doing something kind of cool for this one for anybody that backs butcher queen planet of the dead they're going to get an exclusive to kickstarter backers only zach howard cover mm-hmm. of uh, the first issue which is really really cool because it won't be anywhere it won't be available at red five um in stores anywhere else but our kickstarter and that's yeah. kind of a cool thing for us that's super yeah, cool yeah. yeah yeah and ben can talk about zach howard he's you know, he's, uh, they kind of know each other a bit, I think. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we met through a friend of a friend a number of years ago and it was just a gradual, uh, I think we played Halo together once, which was pretty awesome. Uh, and then I just said, would send him a Facebook or a Twitter or something. And then it would take him like three months to respond, you know, that kind of professional relationship, you know, real, uh, long distance kind of thing. How you doing? Three months later. Oh, I'm fine. How are you? And then we'd start sharing pages from our books and stuff like that. And he would show me stuff before it even went on the shelves. And then it evolved into him telling me about things that, you know, weren't even uh, public knowledge yet. Like he told me about his uh, Hellboy book about three to four months before it came out, maybe more than that. 
And he said, don't tell anybody it's all under contract, but this is a dream job for me. And stuff nice. Like yeah. Pretty neat. So, um, so he's, it's a, sort of a mini mentorship. He's a really, uh, very sweet guy. Uh, he works with animals with his wife and all that stuff. And, uh, but he's very tired from being in the industry for like 20 years. And actually he's done now. He's, uh, he's taking a step back. He's going to do personal projects and commissions, but he's done with published work. So, you know, he's, has been a sort of a mini mentor to me. And I, I am bad about taking information wholesale and just going, Oh, I guess this is just how I changed my mind now or whatever. This is how I think. Cause some person told me that I try not to be that way. Mm-hmm. I try to like take all the information and, you know, pick and choose out what's best, but it's, it's interesting to hear an industry veteran going, you know, you don't need a publisher, just get your work out there. And, uh, and then, you know, as, as me and Jim have been struggling for eight to 10 years to get into the industry, you know, one of my mini mentors like I'm out of here, but you know, that's neither, that's neither here nor there. It's just, uh, but I, just to point out the fact that, you know, he and I talk and a lot and that's very much one side of the industry's argument. Um, What's well, like having a nice car. So you have like a nice car that sits in the garage and mm-hmm. then once you get it out and start driving it, you still have that 200,000 miles or 150,000 miles. So you're low mileage right now, my man. At least maybe. <laughs> man, no, mileage, no, mileage is an interesting <laughs> word choice there uh, because, you know, when it comes to grinding for something, people use the word mileage quite a bit, right? Um, you know, it's uh, one, of, one of the people I follow on YouTube. He's an he's a art teacher in a way, Ethan something. Uh, but he's, he says, it's not as much about mileage. It's about, uh, being specific with with art specifically, you want to like study the masters, right? For, for some of my students, cause I teach, they just do the same thing over and over and have been doing it for years. They, they draw anime or whatever. Uh, there's a message meeting has been upgraded. All right. Cool. Oh, good. Uh, All right. Uh, so I'm a cheap bastard and don't have the big <laughs> account. So th- thanks zoom. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah. I wonder if they, they do that uh, because of the thing. I wonder if that's all built in now. Anyway, so uh, mileage. So a lot of people don't really study. They just do the same thing over and over again, you know, and that's mileage, right? You just, you're just grinding for mm-hmm. years. You've got your own web comic, whatever, and it's yeah, been yeah. 10 years, but like what you want to do is you want to study the masters. You want to copy, you know, uh, Michelangelo and Degas and, and all, and Leonardo and like all these classic da vinci and stuff like that you want to study the classics and the and the masters and uh like train yourself to get better so in one hand you've got just work and grind and you'll get there which is mileage the other hand is you know do something very specific to get where you want to be and uh and uh, that's something to think about i haven't really fully chewed and digested that yet but it's food for thought for sure you know like i think jim and me have some mileage even though this is our first kind of published book because we've been making stuff for almost a decade, you know, but it wasn't how hyper-focused was it? Like how much, how much of it was too free, right? How much of it was just put on the internet? How much of it was pushed in the wrong direction? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And if I, your I, mileage I, is part of a road trip, was our road trip taking the right direction or the wrong direction? Right. Yeah. And I, so, and I like yeah, that analogy better. It's a different, like, like you're on a different, like in, in the music industry, it's touring. So like yeah. if you're metallic, you do that three year tour, you're you're kind of burned out at the end of that. Somebody that's maybe a one year tour. So yeah, you've you've definitely grounded out. Uh, but looking at that, I guess what what I was saying or what I was trying to get at is you know one that he's worked in the industry, which is crazy when you work in indie any industry. I mean, you guys are doing an indie thing. I mean, how much are you 
with the Red 5 deal, are you able to do your own thing? And how much are they kind of shifting it to go a certain way with, with how you're doing it now? I'll let Jim answer that. I've been running my mouth for a while, but. <laughs> as far as uh, their um, editorial. Yeah, as far as their uh, input, do they let you do their own thing, your own thing, and then make a few adjustments? Or are they really, like, because I would imagine a DC or somebody that's working on Hellboy, you know, that's um, that's like a cottage industry. That's well known. So yeah. you're going to have, that's a brand. So they're going to sh- shape that a different way if one is, you know, working on that, unless, you know, d- depending on what kind of autonomy. Yeah, well, you know, I think when we um, first started working with them, we went into it with the idea of, We've we've got to put our best foot forward. We've got to have the kind of work ethic where we don't let anything slide on our end before they even have a chance to look at it. Um, if that makes sense. So we were we were a lot harder on ourselves in the process of creating it before they even saw anything. So what I'm trying to say is, by the time we delivered pages to them, whether it was script or art or or the actual comic. You know, it had already gone through a few editorial phases on our own. And with our editor, Jason Green, uh, who I should mention, who's a, a very important part of our, our team. You know, mm-hmm. he uh, he gives us lots of feedback. Oh, I think my internet froze here. Hello, hello. And we'll discuss that. So he's he's very important. So, you know, by the time it gets to them, it's, it's pretty polished, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if they hated something, they will let us know. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I, I know they've, you know, they've they've had feedbacks to other other creators and stuff. But we try to give them our our best from from the get go. You know, yeah, I never we really to- thought of it that way. Maybe that is why they don't have much to say because they they don't. <laughs> They're just like, good job, chaps, and we move forward. Yeah. Um, but I also, from, from what I know. Um, Jason's not like a red five editor. It's somebody we've brought on to make sure that we're maintaining storytelling cohesion and grammatical, you know, stuff like that. Uh, So he's, he's on our side, if you will, you know, but I know when you work at DC and you're given a DC editor, you, it is a working relationship and you guys work together to create a stellar product, but they're like towing the company line, right? They've got a job to make sure that like, if you was the standard stuff like that, I'm sure the editor's got somebody above them that they have to answer to. Um, but is this is a creator owned thing. And I know that's probably different than Batman, obviously. Um, and we, yeah, it does feel like we've basically got like complete creative freedom. So that's yeah. fantastic. And I think that's the difference in any industry between a, like a huge corporation, someplace sure. that's a little bit smaller, you know, you're going to have a little bit more anonymity and, mm-hmm. you know, creative freedom when you're working with a smaller smaller company right grindhouse versus you know (laughs) yeah big big publisher or something yeah very cool and so then how how did you guys when did you guys start working together was it through uh what ink and drink is jim yeah we met through ink and drink comics uh which is a great if you're if you're a writer or artist and you want to be published um Ink and Drink Comics is a great, great group of people. Uh, it's basically a collective of artists and writers, and they meet once uh, a month, usually at a uh, – was it Chafee's Tap Room? Yeah. Uh, it is now. Uh, it is now, yeah. But we, we met back when it was at Cicero's. Right. Yeah. 
and they meet once a month and everybody kind of mingles and they say, hey, I've got the story. Do you want to do the art for it? Or, hey, I'm an artist. Do you have a story you need art for? And people just kind of hook up and, and drink and, um, you know, pair up and, and do stories. And that's kind of how we, uh, how I anyway, I don't want to, you know, speak for Ben, but uh, that's how I kind of learned uh, more about comic book writing. And that's how Ben and I met. We met with uh, Oscar and I were doing some writing together. We met Ben and and then Ben and I kind of branched off and just kept working together. What is the first thing we did? I think the first thing we did was the uh, <laughs> the romance. Nice. Book. The romance story, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, still, it's still one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a really, Art- really good. Artistically yeah. and everything. I was really messing around with my stuff. Yeah, it is in the rough and tumble. I was really messing around with my style back then. I was trying to do this really simple cartoony sort of look to it. And uh, that that story was sort of the apex of it, I believe. I've never come, I've never been back to it since. I mean, I have a, a free webcomic called Blaster Master I finished a few months ago. And that's extremely cartoony. But um, what was the name of that story? Uh, I'm actually looking it up right now because I cannot remember. God, how can I not remember? the name of the story um i will tell you oh uh the great pretender that's right yeah Yeah. i wasn't wasn't close anywhere but yeah um (laughs) yeah it's a great story um do we have that as a pdf that people can get are we still selling that i don't know how do people get a hold of that it's actually if you have uh amazon prime um you can read it on there there you go yeah that's awesome so Mm -hmm. yeah that's in the uh the rough and tumble it's an anthology we put out. That was our first Kickstarter. It was, yeah. That was a uh, action-adventure comedy uh, mm-hmm. anthology. And yeah, it, yeah, it holds up really well. I, I'm still really proud of it. It's it's a fun book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you, you started with Rough and Tumble, and then so you had one story in that, and then you branched off, what, a few years later for Dead Palace? Yeah, well, Rough and Tumble, we actually we worked on the whole thing together. Those are all of our stories. Yeah, that's everything um, we worked on for years that we decided oh, to like okay, gotcha, gotcha. put in one anthology. And then we developed, what, three or four more stories on top of that to add yep. for new content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we did the uh, the horror anthology, uh, The Dead Palace, which uh, people really enjoyed. That really did well for us, like when we would go to conventions and stuff. Yeah, and was he- yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, then we went off to uh, then Butcher Queen, came after that. And that's where we're at today. That's where we're at today. So now we have the Butch Queen Planet of the Dead. Yeah. That'll be coming to you soon. But uh, where, so the Kickstarter, is there anywhere that they can go? What's the best way to find the Kickstarter? For somebody Um, that that may not know you and that's just listening to this and like, oh, I want to get this book. Yeah, it's on, uh, you can just look for us on social media, on Facebook or Twitter, on Instagram is at Butcher Q Comic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have plenty of things every day about our our, uh, our Kickstarter. You can also just search on kickstarter.com for Butcher Queen Planet yeah. of the Dead, mm-hmm. and that'll bring it up. And uh, you can back us and get a lot of really cool stuff. Very cool. So influences. Uh, so we talked a little bit about, you know, mentorship and all that. When, I mean, Jim, you've been writing comics, what, for probably, I mean, you've been writing screenplays longer. So the comics has been about, what, six years, seven years now? It'll be, I think, almost almost a decade. I want to say, a decade. okay, okay. eight eight years or so. I think now. Uh, ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but something like that. Okay, That's about right. right? Yeah, 
It's close yeah. enough. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I first started doing it, you know, we did Naked Drink Comics, which are uh, short short stories. The first one you do has to be a four-pager, and they can graduate to an eight-pager. And I always had this fear of writing short stories. Like, how do you, how do you tell a story in that few pages, you know? Um, and I they really helped me get over that fear and learn how to do that. And it was really fun and really exciting once you learn how to do it, you know? And so um, it's, it's just about taking baby steps and going sort of level by level, you know, like the butcher queen series we did last year. That was my first series I ever worked on like a, you know, a full like four issue series. Mm -hmm. And that was a learning experience. And now I just, it feels it feels so great to be able to have an idea and know where you're going with it and how to accomplish it, how to give it a beginning, middle and end that's satisfying. And it's such a great way to express yourself, you know, and yeah, it's a great, I love sure. collaborating. And when mm -hmm. you're working on comics, it's, it's all about collaborating. You know, you're working with an artist. They're coming at it from a different perspective and it's just, it's really, really fascinating. Um, and I love it. I, I, it's the most fun thing I've, I've ever been able to to do, I think. And that includes music and, and you know, acting gigs and stuff. I think uh, comics are just so much fun to work on. Yeah, we went from eight pages to 88 pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right it's a big on. jump. And what, what comics did you guys enjoy reading uh, growing up or or now even? Uh, growing up was, was, um, Marvel, DC and image, of course, uh, more Marvel for sure. And then DC just sort of stole me away completely. Wildcats and cyber force and stuff like that. I was right there when image was created with Wildstorm comics and all that stuff. And then the artists sort of became the superstars. Like everybody knew who Jim Lee was all of a sudden, everybody knew who Todd McFarlane was and Mark Silvestri and all these huge names that are still now industry titans. You can't uh, forget all Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld, of course. <laughs> um, all blew up and became superstars when they split off and made their own company. And I was right there. And that's right where I was like, oh, you know, uh, it, it sort of, it became obvious that being an artist was a job. I don't, I, I didn't want to be a comic artist back then. I knew I wanted to be an artist, but it didn't matter. I was reading comics like crazy. Um, so for the first half of my life, it was just standard fare, you know, Spider-Man, X-Men, Captain America, whatever. Uh, and then once I got into my thirties, I discovered, uh, you know, more of the original, um, uh, independent stuff, uh, that images become so famous for now. Uh, so, um, I'm just looking at myself here. Um, not all of this is image for, per se, but it's from everywhere. Oni press, dark horse. So we got Scott Pilgrim, of course, everybody knows about oh, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, descender black science, uh, the Cape, um, Wild Blue Yonder, Punk Rock Jesus, um, uh, and then all the classics like uh, Akira and Mouse. And uh, so, yeah, Hellboy, of course. So, yeah, it goes all over the place. And now I try to pick up, you know, about I pick up about 10 trades a year. I don't have a lot of money, but I try to, you know, support the industry as much as I, as I can. Um, I don't, yeah, there's all that behind me is, it's not full, but there's books everywhere. So, DC as much anymore. Uh, I, I really get interested. I mean, I could talk about a new book every month, something I've picked up. Uh, what's what my favorite last year was um, uh, Murder Falcon. 
by Daniel uh, Warren Johnson. And he's, he's one of my newest favorite talents. It was Sean Gordon Murphy for a while. And, uh, uh, but now it's Daniel Warren Johnson. He's a solo creator. He's got a, um, a colorist, but he writes pencils and inks. And, uh, he made, he was made famous by, uh, extremity, which was picked up by images, uh, imprint, uh, Skylabs or something like that. Star uh, skybound. Um, and he actually worked with Donnie Cates back in the day on a series about a, like a trucker and it, it failed with Donnie Cates. Who's now making like the house of X and the powers of X. Like he's one of the biggest writers in the world right now. <laughs> worked with Daniel Warren Johnson back in the day and their book failed and they had to crowdfund the rest of it. Um, well, this but, good for yeah. show you, man, you have to stick in there. You, the crowdfunding is a way to, you know, and I, I see it as, you know, the way you guys are doing it is more of a pre-sale with some, yeah. with some cool perks. I mean, like, right. The, the cameos and things like that are fantastic. Uh, one of them, I, I think, is have Jim and a couple of friends come play a house concert. So that's, that's right. That's one of the um, that's one of the levels, which is really cool. Um, it has such a stigma of being a charity, you know, because it does. Yeah, y- you see those guys like, hey, I want to go to China, and then they get. It is a charity for a hey, lot of go people. Back to that. We had to cut it. We had to drop out. I don't know what's going on. I haven't fine-tuned this. So you said oh, okay. a guy's going to China? Yeah, I mean, a long time ago, a guy like got his trip to China crowdfunded, you know? <laughs> you know? And then, but on the on the more charitable side, you do have GoFundMe where somebody's like, yeah. oh, hey, I all of a sudden need $12,000 in dental surgery. You know, can you guys help me out? So some of yeah. these things are charities but for the most part kickstarter is not kickstarter is a product yeah, yeah. you know you want you want a cooler with a radio in it or you know you want the you know new kind of smart smart glasses or something that's yeah, I, kickstarter i love i love kickstarter um i the reason why i like it so much is that you can you can back something and get something that no one else has that's not available right. anywhere else, yeah. you know um like with our campaign there's there's like this really great t-shirt that's been designed um, and, you know, all kinds of cool, like the, the variant cover and these things aren't going to be available anywhere else. And, you know, when I back Kickstarters, that's kind of the stuff that I'm attracted to getting that sort of like, you know, that special one of a kind product, you know, that you, you just can't find anywhere. And that's yeah. part of the fun, you know, somebody can say, Hey, where'd you get that? It was like, well, you know, <laughs> I got it for the, at the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter's over. You can't get one, yeah. but stay you know, tuned for one, the next so. one for the third incarnation of, of the yeah. Butcher Queen or, or whatever it is yeah. you guys decide to do. Um, yeah. Know. We don't know what we're doing uh, next, but we're, we're just sort of like heads down working on this one right now. That's, that's sort of like the, the all encompassing focus. Yeah, tune in you next know. April if you really don't. <laughs> Butcher Queen's not your thing. We'll see you in a year. <laughs> so is that kind of, I mean, right now, I know it's it's looking, you know, not really far, but, but you know, could be looking far into the future. Is, is that maybe a goal to have a new series every year, do a Kickstarter, come out with a, a new series, whether it be Butcher Queen or some other incarnation? That's what we've been doing. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. Um I, I do have an idea for uh, another uh, book, another series after Butcher Queen that's not Butcher Queen, but we're we're really not even at the point now where we can even focus on it right now. Yeah, maybe yeah. like at the end of summer, maybe we could do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right now we're just sort of focused on Butcher Queen, Planet of the Dead, and making sure people know about it and, you know, stirring up that interest. Yeah, I think... Um, I think Jim did this last time. Once the scripts are done, he sort of shifts into an editorial mode and just lets me, you know, crank for 
six to eight months, you know? So maybe once he hands it off, he can, uh, his brain can maybe possibly shift to what's next, you know, but neither of us are anywhere near that. I won't be there that for a long time. I can say just cause I want to put it out in the world. I've been, I've been interested in web comics for a long time. Um, I've got one of my own, a lot of my stuff that I've made over the past is just free on my website. You can just go download a PDF or whatever. Um, yeah, what I'm greatly is that interested website? in sketchsawyer.com. Okay. Um, and, uh, uh, and I, I think with the industry's going to going through a shift, which it will, you know, it's going to go back to some kind of normal, but it's going to be a new normal. I don't think it's going to just pick up right where it left off, especially with half the shops probably going to be, you know, not around not to be a doomsayer and like that, but things are going to change. And I think, you know, with, when comics need to focus on the kids and kids care more about screens than pages. And if you can get a kid interested in a story on, on a screen and you can keep the comic book industry as, as an industry that makes stories, not a paper bound industry, but an industry of artists and writers telling stories, you need to look at digital. And, and I've always, I've really been interested in web comics and all that that entails the, the super intense, you know, romance stuff. And there's, you know, there's an ocean of Sonic the Hedgehog and furry comics. And it's just like, it's literally anything you want. Um, but there's some really serious stuff out there too. Uh, fan comics. So if you like Mass Effect, but Mass Effect's done, you can, there's hundreds of Mass Effect comic books you can go read because people continue to make stuff and they're not licensed by the people who made Mass Effect. It's just fan, fan work, you know, like DeviantArt. So, uh, you know, not, not trying to push this in any sort of particular direction, but if I could a series for a long time and just make it on our own time and not worry about shops or printing, you know, definitely sending products to people, market, uh, marketing and merchandise and shirts and books if they want and stuff like that. But if me and Jim could just get paid to just make a story for, for a long time, I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that'd be pretty cool. Per me personally, not trying to push this in any particular direction, but if we could just put a page out on the internet once a week or, or twice a week and just get paid to do that somehow miraculously, I think that'd be pretty cool. So. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always interested in, in uh, any, any way I possibly can to tell a story. Exactly. You know? um, exactly. I think uh, web comics are great, but I also think that, uh, you know, books are great too, and it's it's less about the old-fashioned idea of holding something in your hand. It's the idea of sort of how you look at it. It's like when you turn a page of a book to a like a double splash page yeah. that's got some other stuff on it. Yeah, you you get an effect you can't duplicate digitally, really. No, I don't think. no. And so that's you know my my whole philosophy has always been when it comes to just being a creative person on on the planet is just that i want to entertain as many people as possible and leave behind as many cool things as i possibly can that make people happy and for me that's it, it's a very very simple um probably naive philosophy but it's a sincere it, it really is the way that i feel um and i think however you can uh, you know, traverse that, you know, whether it's uh, print or digital or both, maybe one story is digital, mm -hmm. one story is, is print. Um, I, I love the idea of making art for many different audiences, mm -hmm. many different groups of people. I think that's, uh, uh, 
an important thing, you know, especially especially in the current environment. And I'm not speaking specifically about uh, the current pandemic that we're going through. That we'll get better, and we'll you know we'll go back to um, something similar that resembled normal <laughs> yeah. before. But I'm I'm just talking about uh, you know all, all the uh, sort of political division and everything else. I think art really does bring people together. It's the one thing that, you know, whether it's sitting in a a theater or a a cinema or uh, two friends reading the book, it's one of those rare opportunities you have to experience and feel the same thing, you know? And I think as a society, I think that's, that's, that's pretty important. And look how many now, people are bonding over that. Tiger King right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and it's, right. Pretty, it's pretty amazing how, you know, art will reflect what's going on in society. So if we listen to music that came out in the late 60s, how, you know, just elements, how the Vietnam War affected that music. And so going yeah. back and listening to that, there's when you're kind of aware of the history and then you get more deeper into the art and how it reflected society, that's really cool. And... Uh, it's just it's amazing how in movies and I think Battlestar Galactica was not movie but television series was great in really looking at what was going on in current affairs and weaving that into the narrative and I just thought that was just just amazing like if I had to pick a top 10 television series I think that would have to go in there nice yeah yeah and I also think you know it's also true that and this is something that we try to do as well we tried to like just as an example, the first Butcher Queen series um, <laughs> that you can still get at red5comics.com, by the way. Um, but if you read that series, um, you can read it just for pure entertainment. It, it works on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some underpinnings in that story that are very clearly about things that were going on yeah. last year, you know, um, and uh you know, if you if you want to find it, if you're interested, it's it's there for the finding. You know, at the same time, we want to make things that are just um, that are that you can enjoy just as entertainment as well, just to sort of escape from your you know whatever you want to escape from at the time. Absolutely, I think I think the the great art does a little bit of both. And, uh, and I need to go back and binge the first Butcher Queen because I read them as they came out. And so I need to go back and just, you know, have that have that binge effect and yeah. and, just, and revisiting it. You know, so a lot of times when you revisit a work of art and, uh, you know, there's I'm sure there's going to be so many things, especially after this conversation that I pick up that I didn't pick up the first time. And, you know, so that's that's a fun way to go about it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm jazzed to look at that. And I haven't I haven't read Rough and Tumble and. It's been a few years, so uh, I'm going to have to uh, dig that one out and, and reread that as well. That'll be exciting. You know, the the great thing with Rough and Tumble is that it's a really sort of like fun, easy read. You know what I mean? It's like you, you can pick it up and it, it's just a good time. It's got the fake ads in there, you know, that we did. And um, oh, I went on low power. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just a really fun, easy read. I, I like I said before, I'm still really proud of that book. I'm actually, you know, what's been fun, you know, working with Ben is that every every project that's come out has been quite different from the other. You yes, know, true. and uh, I'm I'm so proud of that. You know, every every book has its own uh, personality, and I think that's great. 
that's something you want, you know, is it's oh, absolutely. when you put something yeah, up, you want to just yeah. do the same stuff over and over, you know? Well, yeah. that's with music you want to hear, you know, on an album. I like to hear with, with each song that has their own identity, not listen to an album that is all the same song. Or you go to a, a concert and I'm like, okay, I, I dig this band. They sound good. But, uh, you know, I can't really pick out like, oh, what was that song? What was that song? Because they're all very similar. So, so to yeah. me, like art... Uh, you know, whether it be comics, whether, you know, specifically uh, music, um, you know, when I go to, to a show and I hear a band and I'm like, oh, yeah, that song that had that story or the song where you did this or this hook. I mean, to me, that's a yeah. sign of, you know, a band that I want to see uh, more and more and listen to uh, to their music, whether, you know, on a disc or on Spotify or whatnot, and really pick up different things that I didn't pick up the first time. And I get that when I go back and listen to old Van Halen, it's like, Oh, there's some sounds there that I didn't hear that first time. And wow. Or the first 10 or 15 or 20 times that I'm hearing now. And it's super cool. I love that. And when you say, when you say old Van Halen, you mean David Lee Roth led Van Halen, which is the best Van Halen. That I, that See, I'm a, I mean, I, I think they're both separate entities for me. You know, I, I enjoy them yeah. both, you know, the same. And I, I was a Sammy Hagar fan probably before I was a Van Halen fan just because of the influences and the albums that my neighbors would lend me. They happened to lend me a, a Standing Hampton before they lent me oh, nice. Diver Down, which wasn't the greatest Van Halen album. Yeah. To get the start with Diver Down, you know, then I had to backtrack and go to Van Halen 1 and all that. But I like them both. You know, they're both great. I do too, actually. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. And what about you? <laughs> what, what, well, since we're talking about musical influences, Ben, what do you like there? Uh, boy, um, I'm all over the map. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely more of an electronic kid. Uh, I do like metal a lot. Um, but I like the, the heavier stuff. Um, um, like a lot of Slayer Norwegian. or what do you, what's the sure. yeah. Slayer is just the tip of the iceberg. It gets darker from there. I think that's, uh, that's an introductory to, uh, I do death metal and black metal and okay. a lot of Norwegian, a lot of progressive, like Norwegian metal, oh, yeah, metal yeah. and stuff like that's that. That's dark. That's some dark shit. It, it can be. I yeah. like the, there's a, there's a trend of the last few years um, where stuff is going back to sort of the glam rock where with the high operatic vocals and stuff like that. So there's a band I just discovered called, uh, is it Unleash the Archers? I think it's called. That's a cool and name. It's, it's great. But um, yeah, it's all about war and dragons and, and stuff like that, obviously with a name like that. Um, but it's it's very, uh, a lot of vibrato in the vocals, not a lot of, there's no growling at all. It's all singing and very operatic. Um, but um, yeah, so that's, that's, the, yeah. that's the metal side of things. Yeah, um, I love the operatic metal. I mean, uh, Nightwish, that's, they're one of my yeah. favorites. So I would love great. You'd love yeah. at least the archers, though, okay. for sure. I'm gonna Absolutely. check. I'm gonna check them out. I love to hear about new music and learn, you know, learn new bands that I that I haven't discovered. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, when me and Jim went to Chicago for a signing last year, we listened for the whole trip. We listened to a guy named Devin Townsend, who uh, did a metal band back in the day called Strapping Young Lad, but he went on to produce his own music since then. He's a bit all over the place. It, his music goes everywhere from. Uh, from sounding like Dream Theater to Mr. Bungle. Like, it's just completely bizarre. Music um, without boundaries. It really is. Um, but he's he's got this real op crazy operatic voice, uh, crazy instrumentality. And then his patented sound on his Wikipedia is called a wall of sound. And he just hits you with, like, 20 different instruments and, uh, and uh, symphonic stuff. 
yeah, Devin Townsend is a is a trip. Um, his late, two latest albums are extremely great. But uh, and then I listen to all the dubstep and trap and all the electronic dance music and house and all that stuff too. I love that too. Yeah, do you guys listen to anything to inspire you when when you're drawing? Is there anything that that might uh, inspire your drawing style, uh, Jim? When you're writing, what's um, or do you kind of just go with a blank palette and just see what what flows and kind of stay away from any um, any external me, sources? Know, for me, I sometimes use it to, um, you know, kind of put me into a different place. Like it could be like a, a movie soundtrack, like a lot of I really enjoy like a lot of the 80s horror movie soundtracks. Very, you know, uh, synth heavy, moody. Yeah. John Carpenter. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. John Carpenter um, making his own music. But sometimes, you know, um, like Amana Marth, I'll listen to them sometimes just to have a wall, a wall of sound, mm-hmm. as Ben mentioned earlier, yeah. just as something to work against. And sometimes I just work in silence. But there's no like, there's no specific thing, you know, just whatever I feel like that day, you know. So no rituals in your writing? You <laughs> well, sacrifice a chicken I or mean, something? Are we, are we, <laughs> Ken, do we want to talk about this? <laughs> well, I need some exclusives, Jim. I mean, what's... You're not I've sure. got, I've got. I'll, I'll just put it all out there then. I've got an eight by ten of Ken. Whoa, hey now, Casey, and uh, I put it out there. I put fly some candles. <laughs> uh, I put on some Yanni, but I play it at half speed. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of just, I put some incense in the air and a little patchouli. It's, it's great. It's my, it's my treat. You know what I mean? That's well, like that my, is why cream. your work is so good. I guess that's why I've loved your work so much over the years. <laughs> <laughs> And it must be like so everything after we met, after Bloodfest Club. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love all your work. So pre, yeah, pre, you know, that's just crap. But uh, actually, who, I, I first discovered you, discovered, or uh, learned about you, uh, Hooch and Daddy-O, because I knew Henry Abler. And so Hooch and oh, Daddy-O yeah. was like the first, like, who are these guys? They're doing some cool things. And then it was, you know, a few years later, and we were you know, did that whole speaking thing at, uh, at whatever college that was. Was that like Truman University or that something? That was Truman. Yeah. yeah, Truman University. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it's cool. So it's nice to, you know, you bum a ride from somebody to save on gas, and then here we are, this, this friendship <laughs> sense. <laughs> that was a fun time, man. That was the first time we actually got to hang out and talk for a long time. And, yeah, that's how we became friends. It was I cool, think, man. Right? You just meet somebody, you, you know, for the first time, and you go on a two-hour car ride go to this talk and I don't know if we came right back or if there was like some hotel magic in there. I don't even remember. I don't even remember how that Ken, worked. Ken, there was some hotel magic. <laughs> Come on now. It cracks me up talking to you, Mr. Jimmy. <laughs> Anything you guys want to end on, I'll put in the, uh, in their show page in the thumbnail, I'll put all the links and everything. And I'm going to use uh, that wonderful picture from, uh, I guess, was that from, Dead Palace, the uh, the thing we did at in Ed Brown's basement, was that a promo <laughs> for that was Dead Palace, wasn't it? Or was that that rough was and rough and tumble? That, that was, was rough, rough and tumble. Yeah, oh, yeah. man, I'm getting old, and it's like everything is like, is, is like you know, no, it's like no, a blur. Okay, so Ralph, yeah. so that was that long ago, rough and tumble. Yeah, okay, wow. Yeah. So I'm gonna use that photo. I may have to, but I think the crazy thing is I have that like one by one thumbnail, and I think Ben is on this side and Jim's on the opposite side. So right. I'm going to have to like yeah. cut out Oscar and Ed and like work some Photoshop and no offense to them. It's just, oh, it's a one by one. Come on. It kills <laughs> yeah, I mean, me. You're, that was a beautiful picture. Up. That was like, you know, it was, it was widescreen. <laughs> well, you're just, you just, you got a nice bread. You're taking off the crust and you're keeping the sexy part. That's it's right. all good. 
We're keeping it sexy. <laughs> well, fellas, I mean, it's it's so good, Jim, to continue uh, our relationship, our friendship. Well, we our friendship. Let's be clear. Keep everything else. Yeah, yeah. But Ben, and it's great to get to know you. I'm gonna have to talk to you about some workouts because uh, I'm gonna need it after this whole situation. Man, it's it's uh it's just like brushing your teeth. Once you realize you've got to do it on these days and you can't not do it. Yeah, it's it's all easy after that. Shit, I haven't been brushing my teeth either. So. <laughs> Damn. Gotta, They're gotta so bright. Well, yeah. Thank you. It's the, it's the light. It's the light. Well, thanks, fellas, and uh, appreciate the time, and best of luck on future endeavors. Thank you so Thank much. Thank man. All right, good stuff. All right. Cool. All right, guys. Well, we'll Jim, we'll talk on our, our walks, and uh, – yeah, and Ben, looking forward to uh, yeah, yeah hanging out sometime. Yeah, absolutely. So much. All right, boys, take care. All right. See you, man. All Thanks, right. Bye.